The longer I did the ranch riding, the more I realized that, you know, I probably need to rethink the way I'm working on some of my reining horses. From Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Feel. I'm your host, Caitlin Hurst. To your point or to your mention of the ranch riding, you have been spending a lot of time there and adding that into your program. Tell us a bit about that and why you chose to add it to your program. Well, if I'm being honest, I was a reluctant participant in the ranch riding in the beginning. And so really my wife, um, was the catalyst that, uh, got me into the ranch riding. The way that transpired was that, um, we had a horse that I was trying desperately to make an NRHA caliber running horse and he had the right look. He had the right style. He had the right breeding. He had a lot of the talent and ability. And ultimately he was missing one or two components and he just didn't want to be a reigning horse, I think. But I kept trying to make it happen and it just didn't seem to want to happen. And so I got a little frustrated with it, decided, you know, to back off and give him a little time off. And uh, you know, we own the horse. And so at one point my wife came to me and she said, Hey, I think I want to take this horse and go do the ranch riding. And I had heard about the ranch riding emerging. I, I knew very little about it, but I, I said to my wife, well, great. You know, um, you know, I don't, I'm kind of at my wits end trying to make him a reigning horse. And so if, if that's what you want to do, have fun, God bless, you know, let me know when to show up and watch. And, uh, you know, I really, I, I thought it was, you know, a great thing to do to give the horse a different job. Um, but I also thought it would be great for my wife to go do something, you know, different. It would increase her experience and exposure to the show pen. It would give her, you know, something else to do. Um, you know, I'm also her coach. And, uh, so coaching your significant other (laughs) or family member, uh, is always challenging. And, uh, there are certainly some times where it is not in the best interest of either party. So, you know, for me, this sounded like a, you know, a perfect solution. You know, I have a horse that doesn't just doesn't seem to want to be the fit into that specialized box of being a, a, you know, a reigning horse and he needs another job. And, you know, my wife wants to take him and go play around and give her something different to do, but, you know, let her have fun. And, and I don't have to be her coach. I can just show up and be the supportive husband. And, um, so she did. And then she, inadvertently got qualified for the AQHA world show in amateur ranch riding and senior ranch riding. So she came to me and she said, you know, our, our horse is qualified in the amateur with me, but he's also qualified in the senior and I don't want to show him in the senior. Do you want to show him? And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) I said, I don't, I don't know anything about this ranch riding. Really. I, I, you know, I've seen it a handful of times. I've watched you do it, you know, uh, but I, you know, it's not, not my thing. I said, this is your thing and I want it to stay your thing, you know? And she said, okay, well, what should I do? And at the time, you know, there was a gentleman in our area who, you know, was having a lot of success in the ranch riding. And I said, well, why don't you go ask him if he wants to, to show him at the world show, that seems like it would be a great idea if he'd be willing to do it. And, and, uh, she did. And, and that gentleman, you know, agreed to do it. And then he broke his leg 
And no. so <laughs> after, you know, we're, we're a month out from the world show, the entry fee's been paid, it's non-refundable, the stall's been paid for, you know, we're going anyways, um, you know, not just for my wife to show, but, but uh, for some other horses as well that I'm showing in the reigning. And so uh, I like to say I got drafted. Uh, <laughs> I, I got drafted uh, by my wife to do the ranch riding. I had uh, never shown in it uh, until we got to the world show that year and uh, went in into the prelims and just by pure luck ended up having a good go in the prelims, which I attribute to the horse, not to me, but I think we were the fifth high score in the prelims that year. And, you know, so now we're in the open finals of the senior ranch riding and, um, I got into the finals and I was terrible. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't, uh, have any luck in the finals, but, um, what that experience did show me was the value of the ranch riding and how beneficial it could be to the horses and how that horse, even though he didn't want to be a, a superstar reigning horse, really excelled at the ranch riding. It was where he was happy. It also made me appreciate the nuances and the competitiveness and the strategy that came with the ranch riding. So I was a sort of begrudging uh, participant in the beginning in the ranch riding. But after having that experience and making the finals that first year at the world show, you know, I, I certainly gained a fresh perspective and appreciation for how hard it is and the challenges and, you know, uh, the multitude of benefits that come with the ranch riding. And from there, I think I went home and I started to take it more seriously and say, okay, e even if I'm not going to be the best ranch rider out there, I'm going to start doing this a little more on my horses. And, you know, maybe some of these other horses, you know, need a break or they need a second job, or maybe this needs to be their primary job. And I, I quickly realized after I got home and that next year of, of, you know, um, practicing it at home a little bit more on my horses at home. Okay. These are the same fundamentals that we're teaching in the reigning. We're just doing them differently in the ranch riding and we're executing them a little differently, but we're still talking about forward motion. We're still talking about lateral movement. We're still talking about elevation of the back and shoulders. We're still talking about, you know, speed transitions, both upward and downward. We're, st we're still talking about steering and, and guiding and strategy and, and, you know, all these things that we were doing in the reigning, we were just doing them differently. And the longer I did the ranch riding, the more I realized that, you know, I probably need to rethink the way I'm working on some of my reining horses because now that I'm out here trying to guide these horses through a serpentine for the ranch riding and they're not steering as well as I would like them to, maybe I need to go back and test out my other reining horses and make sure they're steering as well as they need to, or do I just kind of have them patterned? Meaning they stay in a circle for the most part and they speed up and slow down. But when it comes time to really steer, you know, if I had to go hard right, hard left, or, you know, back and forth, would those horses be ready for that? Would they know how to handle that? Would they get off the neck rein? Would they do it with ease? And sometimes the answer was no. And so for me, it just became about whether we're going to show this horse in the ranch riding or not we're going to practice it a little bit every now and then just as a checks and balances for my reining training to make sure that 
I have everything where I want it to be. And again, I think that ties into our conversation about good horsemanship. You know, for me, a good horse should, should guide wherever you want it to. And, you know, if you're, you spend all day long in your circle, speeding up, slowing down, but then you have to leave that circle, your horse might not be prepared for that. And the ranch riding was a good way for me to test that out. And so from there, it just sort of snowballed and it became, you know, this thing like, okay, I see the value in it. It's, it's doing good things for my reining horses, whether, you know, it's giving them some mental relief or, you know, uh, from the tactical, tactical side of it, you know, it was providing benefit. And, and, you know, we started to have more and more success. The phone started ringing. People wanting to know, you know, if, uh, you know, I could help them out. And, you know, I, I noticed that first or second year, my, some of my reigning training friends were kind of laughing at me a little bit, but then their clients started asking me if I would take their horse and do some ranch riding on it, or if I could help them sell their horse, which was a reigning horse that they weren't having any luck getting sold, but they thought maybe they could get sold as a, as a ranch riding prospect. And that third or fourth year, then those trainers started coming around and they weren't laughing anymore. It didn't seem like they were asking sincere questions about the ranch riding. It's, it's exploded in growth and pro- popularity in the last few years. And I think that that's, that's hard to ignore. So all that is sort of what led to the ranch riding success that we've had. And, and it just sort of, you know, um, has continued to, to grow from there. I love the ranch riding. It's just such a great opportunity for, like you said, those horses that maybe aren't the perfect fit for a high competitive reining environment or people to go out and get more experience and a little bit of a slower pace, but still refine those same yeah, skills. There's absolutely no downside to it. And yeah. even if you don't ever intend to show in the ranch riding, um, you know, there's no downside to working on speed control and steering and, you know, discipline. And, uh, like I said, lateral movement, you know, forward motion, responsiveness, all the same core tenets that we want in just about any discipline, really just, you know, applying it, it differently. And, uh, I I've seen uh, zero drawback to it. So it's been great to me. I want to go back to that world show that you essentially got dragged to and ended up competing (laughs) on this horse. So you walk in, let's go with the finals. You walk into the show pen for the finals. Mm -hmm. You've been showing raining, you know, your entire adult life. What were you thinking? What were you feeling? Was it different? Well, I, would be lying if I didn't say I felt like a fish out of water a little bit, you know, and, and a microcosm of that would be, you know, I, I was told kind of early on, you know, Hey, listen, you know, these guys, they want to see you look pretty ranchy, you know, you look too rainery. I, I heard some <laughs> of those comments, you know, and, and, uh, you, you, they say you ride too much like a rainer. I'm like, well, what does that even mean? I ride how I ride, <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, uh, mind you, I have a background in doing a little bit of the rain cow horse stuff too, you know? So, uh, I, you know, I was like, well, psh, I mean, you know, I've worked cows before, like, you know, I, I spent some time in college on a real working cattle ranch, you know, like, but, um, they, at that time, I think, you know, they were trying to keep things and still are, you know, in the spirit of what the class was intended for. But, you know, I was told, you know, you got to get your wild rag and you got to get your wool vest out and you got to, you know, you got to, to me, you know, I, I thought, okay, well, we'll play the game, I guess, you know, but I'm out there. I didn't even know how to tie a wild rag, you know, and, and I'm not a wild 
pile drag guy, you know, so I got, I'm out there and somebody's helping me tie it. I felt like a little kid, you know, getting dressed up, you know, and my dad's got to tie my tie for me. And, you know, so I felt very out of place in that this wasn't me, you know, I, you know, nothing, I, I think wild rags are great, but I don't typically wear a wild rag at home. I, I don't wear a vest, you know, um, when I ride, you know, not that kind of vest anyways, uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, but it just wasn't me. You know, and then, yeah, of course, you know, I didn't understand the nuances of it, you know, and I'm out there, I'm trying to make things, you know, happen dynamically when I get into the finals. And I didn't, I didn't really have a full comprehension of the nuances again, you know, so I think I, I, I wasn't nervous, but I think I tried too hard to, to, like we said earlier, you know, I'm trying to make things happen instead of letting them happen. And, you know, sure enough, um, you know, my horse took a couple of break of gates, you know, he got a little worried and was probably feeding off my adrenaline a little bit, you know, and, you know, uh, you take a three point penalty in the ranch riding, that's pretty hard to come back from, you know, especially the senior ranch riding at the world show, which in my opinion is one of the toughest classes there. And, you know, there were just things that weren't quite what the judges were, were looking for. I felt a little out of place. Um, you know, I, I felt like I was, you know, dressing up in a costume, uh, on some level and, you know, I love the, the ranch attire. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I got my, my butt kicked pretty good. And a lot of it just, you know, had to do with inexperience. And then I went home and, you know, sort of tried to recalibrate, like I said, educated myself more, started asking questions of, you know, some of my friends and peers who did it a lot more than I did. And, um, you know, the next year we went back and, um, you know, uh, we were, we were significantly better. You know, I didn't worry so much about dressing up and, and, you know, I, I tried to stay a little bit more true to myself, I think, and, you know, have a little bit more confidence in my program and the way that I was used to doing things. And, you know, it, didn't matter to me if anybody else thought it was too rainery, you know, I'm going to train, I'm going to prepare this horse and show it the way I think it's supposed to be done, the way my mentors would approve of. And, you know, if the judges don't, you know, like it that day, then that's their opinion. And, you know, we understand, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to do, you know, play the game the way everybody else thinks it's supposed to be done, you know, or tells me it's, you have to do it. I'm going to do it, you know, this way. So, you know, the next year I went in there and, um, we were better. We still weren't the winner but we were better, you know, the next year we go back and, and we're even better. And it, we just kept going along and going along and figuring it out. And, you know, it, it just, it just happened to go our way, you know, leading up to this last year. So I think that a lot of it was just, you know, coming to terms with, okay, you got to have trust in your training program. And, you know, just cause you're not doing your training doesn't mean that they're, you know, the fundamentals and the crossover isn't there. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a competition and it's a pattern and you got to go try to do the pattern better than anybody else. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of how it's worked for me anyways. So. How do you find confidence in your own program? Well, I think that goes back to experience and obviously it's easy to do when things are going right. And when you're having success and everything's clicking and falling into place, you know, it, it's easy to be confident. The hard part is when things aren't going right. And that's the mental aspect of the game that I think is, you know, underrated sometimes, you know, again, I, I, there are days where I'm like, gosh, I, what am I doing? You know, I feel like I can't train anything today, but you have to remember in those times, okay, go back to your, you know, what you've been taught, what did, 
you know, what was instilled in you when you were a youth kid? What did, what'd you get yelled at from Todd Crawford about? What did Don Murphy, you know, um, chew you out about all the time? What did Randy Paul tell you? You know, um, how would Randy do it? You know, um, these other guys that you've gone and spent some time learning from, you know, what would they say, you know? And, um, for me, you just go back to those basics a little bit you know, you try to prepare them the best you can and, you know, you don't want to leave any stones unturned. You know, I think you have to make sure that you've done your homework. And I heard Jason Van Landingham say this on your, on one of your episodes, you know, but he, he said he wants to make sure he's fully prepared when he gets to the horse show. And then, you know, if you have confidence that you've done everything in your ability to prepare that horse and predict all the hypotheticals and what might happen, what might not, you know, even if they never do, if you have a plan for all of that stuff and you go show and it just doesn't work out, well, then it just didn't work out that day. And you, you know, again, you know, from a psychological standpoint, you can't get wrapped up in thinking that what you you do, uh, in the show pen defines who you are as a person. And I think that's for me, the most important thing is, you know, I'm not happy when, when I'm not successful, but in the show pen, but I'm especially frustrated with myself when, if I feel like I didn't do everything in my power to be prepared. And if it was a lack of preparation or foresight somehow on my part that didn't allow us to be successful, then I'm upset. But, you know, having, confidence, I think comes from having preparation. I mean, that's the short answer, right? I mean, if you're prepared and you know, you've, you've done everything you can do, you know, it's easy to be confident and then you just hope that it all works out, you know, remove some of that uncertainty. Yeah, for sure. All right. On to our lightning round. Uh Oh, are you ready? I don't know if I am. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say your specialty is? What's your trainer superpower? Well, I don't think I have a superpower at all, but I... Everyone says that. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, my specialty might be the fact that in an age of specialization that we're choosing to not focus just on one event and that we want to be more well-rounded and we want to compete in other events like the ranch riding or the versatility stuff or the rain cow horse, you know, so perhaps the answer is my specialty is not being specialized and trying to make horses that can go on and be more than one thing and not just be pigeonholed or be put into a box. Any superstitions while competing? Oh yeah. I mean, I've got all the traditional ones, you know, you can't put the hat on the bed. I, I don't do change in the pocket, you know, when I'm showing, cause I'm afraid that's all I'll win. If I do that, <laughs> what's the other one? I, yellow can't do the yellow. I mean, those are the, those are the like old school ones. I don't really have any new ones. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. You know, I, I mean, I know people who like have to like draw a circle in the ground and spit in it and ride across it and do all kinds <laughs> of, you know, put the left boot on first every time. And I, I don't get into all that, uh, you know, um, but, uh, I, I do adhere, uh, to the traditional ones. You know, we, we don't eat peanuts in the stands. We don't wear yellow. We don't put our hat on our bed and, and we don't ride, we don't show a change in our pocket. So what is your favorite thing about horses? My favorite thing about horses is that it allows, they allow me to get wrapped up in my own little world sometimes. And by that, I mean, you know, whatever's going on with the business or, you know, in my personal life or, um, you know, again, I, I, you know, my, 
my wheels are turning almost all the time. So it's hard for me to shut that off. But when I'm in the moment and I'm working on something and I'm trying to accomplish, you know, a task with this animal, I get to, I get a reprieve from all that stuff for a brief period. And I just get to focus on myself and the horse and achieving the task. What is a personal habit that contributes to your success? Ooh, um, I think perseverance, maybe, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm the most talented trainer. I don't feel like I'm the best showman. I don't feel like I am, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, we, we work hard around here. There's a lot of guys that work just as hard. So I can't say that I have a leg up on them, but for me, it's been just not, not don't quit. Don't give up. Even, you know, when you're grinding and things don't seem like they're going your way, um, just keep chipping away at it and keep chipping away at it and keep chipping away at it. And eventually things are going to change and you're going to have a breakthrough. What is the best advice that you've ever been given as a horseman? There's been a lot. Uh, some of it is too colorful for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My mentors were not, uh, they were not shy about using some, some blue language. Uh, I got to go back to what Don Murphy always said was, which was, you know, put the horse first. Yeah, for sure. So what's next for you? Well, I think, uh, quite literally we're looking at going to a horse show next week and then we'll be home for a couple weeks and, you know, we'll be getting, we'll be getting ready for the world show and the fraternity after that, for which we'll be gone for most of the month of November. And, you know, this is our busiest time of year. Um, I'm sure a lot of horse trainers, you know, say that. Um, but, um, that's kind of our immediate focus. And then, you know, uh, long-term, I mean, we're going to continue to continue our quest for self-improvement and continue, uh, you know, trying to offer the best service we can to our clients to do the best job for the horses that we can to improve our, you know, training techniques and, um, to, you know, improve the customer experience and do whatever we can to try to make a living in this very challenging industry that, uh, does not lend itself to financial prosperity most of the time. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I think as far as Bud Lion Performance Horses is concerned, you know, um, at the end of the day, you know, my ultimate goal is for people to say, you know, he did it the right way, you know, and, and he did it, you know, as best he could to put the horses first to, you know, make, create a nice, well-broke animal and, you know, to be a positive contribution to the industry. So where can our listeners find you or get in touch? Oh, this is the self-promotion part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is my uh, least uh, favorite part. Uh, no, um, obviously all the standards. I mean, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, we're on, um, we've got a website, budlionperformancesources.com. You know, you can email me at www.budlionperformancesources.com. Uh, or, or excuse me, you can email me at bud at budlionperformancesources.com. Um, the website is www.budlionperformancesources.com. 
performancehorses.com. I do have a video platform uh, with Horse and Rider magazine, which we're very excited about and um, we're hopeful can be very educational to its users and the public. It's Horse and Rider Video On Demand, and you can find it uh, on Horse and Rider magazine's social media sites. You can also find it um, on their website, you know, and it's a um, subscription based platform, which uh, allows you to, you know, uh, pay a monthly uh, service uh, charge and get access to a library and a catalog of uh, instructional videos, not just from myself, but from um, Brad Barkmeyer and guys like Al Dunning and Bob Avila. And so there's a seven day free trial. You can um, sign up and, uh, you know, check out the free trial. And if you don't like what you see, or if it's not for you, you can unsubscribe. Um, if you do find it valuable, then every week we release new videos and about every three months we shoot new content and we're continually trying to improve that user experience and, you know, answer questions and provide, you know, instruction and information to those people who, you know, are more interested in, or in, are interested in learning more about the reining, the ranch riding, the roping, the cow horse, uh, just general horsemanship, um, you know, anything that you can think of, but, um, you know, it's, it's been a fun experience for me and it's really important to me that, you know, that we get it right and that we do it well and that we're offering people, you know, information that is beneficial and helpful to them and allows them to better themselves and their horses and, you know, um, make improvements. So horse and rider video on demand. That's, uh, that's our passion project. Great. Yep. I'm a subscriber. I've watched them. There's some really great videos in there. Or if you you want to check out the ranch riding stuff, you can go watch Bud and uh, he'll teach you some things. We'll try anyways. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Galen. Thank you for listening to another episode of Finding the Fuel. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook to join the conversation. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app to catch the next episode. And if you've enjoyed this one, please share with a friend. It's very much appreciated. Until next time.